This is the murderer you know. Welcome to the murderer you know. Welcome. That's Good all to you be have here. to say. <laughs> I don't I don't want to interrupt the intro in case you have some that was the end. That <laughs> okay. was the intro. The only intro, my friend. This is the end. The only end, my friend. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here we um, are once again. So here we are once again. I want, you know what I've been thinking about like all week writing this episode is, is the real difference between moms and dads. Do you want to know what it is? This is your theory. This is going to be this your is my theory. Thesis. This is my master's thesis on the difference between moms and dads. Listen. Okay, I'm ready. When I wanted you to come on the podcast to talk about some people you knew, you came and you did not leave and you're still here. <laughs> I'll and, leave. No, and you did like three or four people that you knew. It was a whole thing. So today we're going to talk about someone that dad knew and I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, like nothing, he didn't have to do a master's thesis. Like just did he want to come and say, was the lady nice? Was she friendly? Did they get along? He said, nah, I'm good. I don't really remember anything about that. I was like, okay. So the difference between moms and dads is moms like to be supportive and chat a lot. Dads <laughs> don't remember anything and don't want to chat. End of the PhD on the difference between moms and dads. I talked to dad for like maybe half an hour the other week. And oh at, my the God. End of the, at the end of the conversation, he said, okay, well, that's enough chatting for me. <laughs> goodbye <laughs> I was like oh, goodbye Sorry. then just abrupt end to the conversation yes yes that is was enough chatting for him let's get into it I guess okay oh I do want to say too though I went to a court this week last week I guess technically uh -huh. I went to the circuit court. They have a little computer. I typed this kid's name in clickety clack, clickety clack. And everything about the crime comes up right there. You can read all about it. You can print stuff out. It was a grand adventure. Well, can you do that for just about anybody? I mean, anybody who's been charged with a crime and gone through trial? Well, I'm sure that it differs by state. And according to the lady that I spoke with, it even differs from like district to district or circuit to circuit in Virginia. You can go there. Court documents are public record. So you can right. go there and request the court documents, but they might not have this nice little computer where you can sit and actually print out everything that you would like. Was it free? 
No, they oh. charge 50 cents a page. Oh my God. Yeah. But she did tell me that if I was, if I was on a budget, if I was a budget savvy, I could reach out to the lawyer that represented the kid that we're going to talk about today and that they would likely give me the court transcripts for free. Really? So next I time, why. I don't know. Hmm. She just said it was, it would be worth a try. So next time if I have more time to be prepared. I guess I could try to do that. Okay. It was very interesting though. It was a very, I don't, I hesitate to call it fun because of the horrible subject matter, but it was interesting. It was interesting. Enlightening. Yeah. Enlightening. That's the one. That's it's and, and easy access to information. Cause I know you've had some issues with FOIA requests in the past. Yeah, lately I've been having a lot of trouble with FOIA requests. So it was nice to know that this is an option and it was a pretty good one. Sounds like. So our story begins, well, it doesn't begin. I guess our story begins in 1991 when the young man we're going to talk about today was born. But in 2010, the year the crime was committed, the guy in our story today was 19 years old. Mm. In his life, many people described him as a good kid. They said he loved his mom and was incredibly close with her. Even as recently as 2009, So that's just the year before this crime. He was in advanced band class at school. He was a bassist in the president's own concert band and the superintendent's jazz band at his school. The second of those two, at least, was a pretty big deal from what I could find. You had to audition and... This group of kids regularly performed at pretty high profile events for the governor, for congressmen, for the Navy, for city council, and those sorts of things. In Uh fact, he actually played both the electric and the double bass. I don't know what that is, but sounds good. Well, do you mean one of those like big wooden bases that sits on the floor that Mm -hmm. you use a... Hmm. Yeah. Wow. He was described by the band director as being incredibly creative, having a meticulous attention to detail, and always being willing to take on new challenges. He was a natural leader, known to be kind and helpful. He was always coming to the aid of other students and band, and readily made friends with many of the other kids. In addition to his musical talents, he was the sports editor for the school newspaper and was also the captain of the school volleyball team. (sighs) This is making me very sad. It is sad. The band director also indicated that he was a motivated student and was always enthusiastic and dedicated. He attended church every Sunday with his mom and at church he sang in the choir and also performed in the band there. Just your model teenager. Seems that way. But he did also, like most of us, have his struggles. Although he was always close with his mom, he was very disconnected from his dad and even was sent to counseling when he was 12 at his request for help with the disconnect he felt toward his dad. 
were the parents together? They were. Okay. So they it wasn't were, like, like his dad, that they were divorced and he never saw his dad. The dad was in the house. I mean, I don't know these people. It sounds sort of like the kid felt that it would have been better if they weren't together. Apparently mm. they fought a lot. They argued constantly. They didn't sleep in the same bedroom, which really bothered him. Apparently his dad was very disrespectful toward him and toward his mom. And he believed that his dad had a number of extramarital affairs, oh my even goodness. though his parents were together. And his dad was basically never home. He was a police officer, which I thought was interesting because I don't typically think of police officers as traveling for their jobs, but apparently he did travel a lot for work. And when he was home, he basically, this is all according to his son, the kid, the subject of our story today. But he says when his dad was home, he didn't spend any time with his son at all. Hmm. Well, it does happen. I mean, there are lots of parents like that. Now, was yeah. this boy an only child? No, he had two brothers, two older, older. brothers. Mm -hmm. And a lot older, I'm assuming if he was in high school at the start of our story, were they already gone and out of the house? Yes, they were. And do we have any idea about his relationship with them? No, hmm. not from any of the court documents that I very conveniently printed out from that handy little computer. <laughs> yeah, I just Although I will say since we're not talking legal this week, I didn't read through the transcripts in their entirety yet mm. as there are 160 pages. So if I find wow. anything in there about his relationship with his brothers, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> I'm just wondering when, you know, when he was seeing a counselor about his relationship with his father, I wonder if he had the support of his older brothers, somebody to reach out to, or if they were just happy to be out of the house, if they felt the same way about the dad. Yeah, you I'm know? not sure. It's a good question. It's a very yeah. interesting question. So he was pretty good kid, involved in a lot of things, but he was very unhappy with his father and his parents' yeah. relationship. Yeah. And as time passed, he did sort of start to act out. According to some of the documents I've read through and statements made by his family members, he started using marijuana at the age of 12, so around the time that he started therapy. And he started using other drugs such as cocaine and Adderall, which he was prescribed. He was prescribed Adderall starting in fifth grade for academic struggles, but he started dabbling in some of these other drugs by the time he was 16. He had also been prescribed Xanax and Zoloft at various times in his life. Mm. He himself denied doing any drugs other than weed and magic mushrooms once. Magic mushrooms. So okay. hard to say what the truth may be. Yeah, sometimes we don't, we have difficulty being honest with all of our failings. He made new friends who his family members weren't very fond of. And shortly he began to skip class and became pretty rebellious. Hmm. Somewhere in the 2007 to 2009 timeframe, there were actually conflicting reports from his dad and his uncle as far as which year it was. 
He ran away from home. Well, this actually came up in, I've been calling it the trial and it will be interesting to talk to in my brain by calling it is what I mean. <laughs> it will be interesting to talk to a lawyer if she can join us next week because I really don't know what it is. And since I don't want to get too deep into it, but I suspect it's not actually a trial. And like I said, we'll we'll come back to that next week. But he said he was moving to California and authorities apparently had other suspicions, but we'll just leave it at what he said for now. <laughs> okay. And he was dating a girl who had a kid and he thought the kid was his. So apparently he just picked up his whole life and just decided to go off to California with her. And evidently they took a train to California that stopped in Pittsburgh. Okay. So he said the station was kind of crazy and overwhelming, so he actually stepped outside to make a phone call. And when he stepped outside, he was approached by an off-duty officer who asked him how old he was and what he was doing outside after curfew, because evidently it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. Well, how old was the kid at this time? He was 17. 17. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause according, there was some confusion between the dad and the uncle about when exactly this happened, but according to the kid, it happened in 2008, which would have made him 17. So technically so was, I guess too young to be outside after curfew, but not too young to buy two train tickets to California and travel there by himself. Well, he did say that his girlfriend at the time was 18. So, oh, okay. maybe, so maybe she bought the tickets. He bought the tickets. Yeah. He didn't get too much into like logistics of who bought the tickets <laughs> and what they packed in the suitcases. Wasn't really integral to the story. Did, yeah, did they did they pack any snacks? That's all I want to know. <laughs> the important stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> so the officer, after discovering this kid was under 18, said he was going to take him to a holding facility, like a juvenile sort of home overnight, and that, you know, he could continue on whatever he was trying to do in the morning but apparently they actually ended up at this guy's house instead wow yeah so he said he was sexually assaulted the first night and sexually assaulted again the second night and by the third night he managed to get to a computer and he sent his brother a message on facebook and his brother told him, look for a piece of mail, look for anything with this guy's name, with an address, just find something so I know where you are and I can help you. So he looked around and he found something and he got the information to his brother. Now his brother lived across the street from a state police officer. So he reached out to that police officer who called the state police in Pittsburgh where the kid was and he gave them this guy's name and the address from the piece of mail and said that his brother was a, a runaway and police went to this officer's house and he was arrested and while all of this was happening at the same time the boy's dad was getting a flight ticket to Pittsburgh and flew up there and got his son and brought him home the only question remains is did the girl just go on to California without him and never called anybody yeah never she was like wondered. boy bye 
I lied to you. This wasn't your baby anyway. Yeah, I have no idea. Both aspects of this story are just appalling. I mean, it's just appalling what happened to this kid. It's awful. It's horrible. Traumatic. And I mean, he's lucky he wasn't killed. I mean, this guy's probably was a serial offender. I doubt this was the first kid he picked up and took home and raped, but maybe he terrorized them into not saying anything about it because he was a police officer. It's possible. I mean, they did ask in this trial or whatever it was, they asked him, why didn't you run away? Why didn't you try to escape? He's like, I was alone. I was in a place I was unfamiliar with. And apparently this guy didn't live like in the middle of Pittsburgh. It's not like he could have just run out into the street and been like, I'm here, help me. And like hundreds of people would have been there. He, They were kind of in the suburbs and it was just like houses and miles and miles of land. And just, he didn't know where to go. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, he was yeah. horrified. He was scared. He was being abused used and traumatized. I can't even. And I mean, like I said, this comes up later in the story because this really impacted him and it. I'm sure it changed the course of his life. I would imagine. Yes. Yes. Sadly. So I'm sure, you know, just to, to be in such a terrifying situation at least he had smart enough to get on a computer and Mm -hmm. reach out and get some help. Yeah. Because who knows what the end of this would have been. Absolutely. It's hard for me to think of this father as uninvolved and uncaring if he was willing to jump it's, yeah. on a plane. And fl- I mean, he didn't get in a car. You could drive to Pittsburgh, but he got there as quickly as he could. Yeah. I mean, he, I think that unfortunately, f- It sounds to me like he just wasn't caring for his son in the way his son needed to be cared for. For example, he said even with this event and the difficult things that his son was going through and the trauma he experienced, he said that he and his wife really thought they were doing right by their son, that they were reacting to the things that were happening to him. They were acknowledging those things. But they weren't, he says, you know, looking back with the benefit of hindsight bias, they really should have been doing more. They should have been sure that he was getting the help that he needed, that he had guidance for his trauma, that he was in sexual assault support groups. He himself has said he now realizes there's so much more he should have done to help his son resolve his issues instead of just and heal his hurts instead of just like, oh, that happened to you. All right. Well, grownups just move on from those kinds of things. Yeah, and I he mean, didn't need tough love. He needed more than that. Yeah, it sounds like, and it sounds like he's kind of a sensitive kid if he's that badly affected by his parents' relationship. Mm-hmm. But what happened with this person who assaulted him? Was he ever caught? Yeah, so according to the kid's statement in court, because like I said, they did bring this whole event up, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Promise, promise. <laughs> But according to the kid, he was charged and convicted on three felonies. The guy who abducted him. Yep. Mm. And I mean, there was no indication of, because either the dad or the uncle said something about this guy being the chief of police. There was no indication from the documentation I have of 
who this guy was, if he was the chief of police, just that he was an officer, an off-duty officer of some sort. And I did do a quick Google, but, you know, I mean, 2008 was kind of a while ago, and a lot of things have happened in Pittsburgh (laughs) since then, even horrible things involving police officers. I guess, unfortunately, that's not necessarily a surprise, but I didn't find anything. So, you know, I'll maybe keep at it a little bit and see what we can find, but I didn't turn anything up. I couldn't find any other information on it. But after he returned home from Pennsylvania, he was never really the same kid. His Mm. behavioral and legal struggles became even more severe. And by 2009, he had been charged with at least seven felonies as a minor, mostly for non- Yeah. Mostly for nonviolent crimes, breaking and entering, possession of marijuana, those sorts of things. But- seven felonies still feels pretty major to me. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, how old was he at this time? 18. Oh, 18. So in two years from this this traumatizing event, Mm -hmm. he just like really went to pieces. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you would think at some point the parents would have said, Oh my God, we need to sit him down, get him. I wonder if he was still seeing a counselor then or if he had moved on from that. It didn't sound like he was still seeing a counselor. And I just think, you know, I just think it's, I just think it's unfortunate not to, obviously no one knows what would or wouldn't have happened if things had gone differently. But I think that he just, there was a disconnect. I don't think his parents didn't care about him. I mean, his mom went to every court hearing with him. She constantly stood by his side, defended him, made sure he had good representation, made sure he had everything that he needed. She was often described though, even by her son as the only person who loved him unconditionally. So there was some sort of potential disconnect between him and other members of his family, especially where he really didn't feel loved in a way that maybe they just had different love languages. Maybe they were loving him in a way that he couldn't understand. Yeah. And I think that moms tend to be those people who love you unconditionally and make excuses for you. And his father was probably, if he was a police officer, I'm guessing kind of more of a hard ass. Yeah. Probably a tough love guy. Yeah. And saying, move on. You made a mistake. You ran away from home. I mean, kind of almost probably uh, implying that he brought it on himself or something. Mm, Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. So again, around the time of these crimes, we're still sort of here in summer of 2010-ish era. He was working on again, off again jobs in construction and landscaping. Seems like they were definitely more off again. And by the time of the crime we're going to discuss today, in the late summer of 2010, he was mostly just lazing around, doing drugs, and spending time with his friends. He was, I mean, in a lot of ways, typical teenager out and about at all hours of the night. And this was causing some strain in his relationship with his mom. He was also serving weekends in jail for one of those previous felony convictions, Has he graduated from high school at this point? To be honest with you, actually, I couldn't find if he actually graduated. He is not in high school anymore. I don't know if he graduated or dropped out. Ah. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't read the court transcripts yet, but none of the other documents I have reviewed mentioned his graduation. I had some character references that talked about the 2009 school year and his excellent performance and all of his positive qualities, but nothing I read talked about his graduation. So sad. 
By the beginning of August 2010, his dad was out of town and tensions were very high at the house. And the tipping point really seemed to come when during the first week of August, his mom was kicked off of her car insurance policy due to her son's prior convictions. And also due to his prior convictions, her rates were going to double to a new premium of $5,000. I'm hoping that's a year, not a month. (laughs) It didn't specify. I am also hoping it's a year. But if it's a month, it could really explain why she was so pissed. Because So stressed. Yeah, and I mean, this was entirely her son's fault. And since she had a full-time job with an hour round-trip commute each day, and that's without traffic. And for those of you from this area of Virginia, you know there is never not traffic, especially going through our bridge tunnels, which she had to go through twice a day, every day, to and from work. And she asked her son, who had no job, and stayed in her home rent-free to go to his probation officer's office and get a report of all of his various charges so that she could try to fix this insurance issue that she was up against. And this all brings us to August 9th, 2010. Mm. Are you ready? I guess. It's, it's, it's. Well, they're all sad. It is awful. It's awful. It's very awful. Here we go. The perpetrator's mom got up around 8.15 that morning to go to work. And her son later said that she seemed pretty upset. She reminded him to go and get that paperwork that she needed from his probation officer. And they were arguing pretty intensely back and forth about this subject until she left for work at which time he started his day of sitting around the house and hanging out with his friends. She was calling him pretty frequently throughout the course of the day. And one specific call he remembered was when she called him at lunchtime to ask about those papers she requested. And he decided he would lie to her. And he said he did go to the probation officer's office. Is that how you say that? Officer's office? Officer's office. <laughs> Sounds like too many officers. I don't know what else you would call it. His, his bureau, his <laughs> place of employment, his hangout. He did go to the probation officer's hangout. I like that. <laughs> but they were going to need a couple of days to get the paperwork together. Okay. During the call, his mom sounded pretty upset and stressed out. Well, I have a question. It sounds like she was the only person affected by the car insurance. She paid for the insurance. So the father was not... I don't know. She hadn't told him, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I mean, if you and your spouse or you alone suddenly had a bill that had doubled in price, wouldn't you be trying to resolve it? Her husband was out of town. True. True. Maybe I would just stay at home and hang out with my friends. (laughs) It's what everyone should have done. (laughs) So he lied. He came up with this very elaborate lie. Yes. That evening, he retired from a hard day of hanging out around his house, and he went to spend time with some friends. They had Subway for dinner. They hung out into the wee hours of the night. They played something called water ball, which... I don't know. Sounds fun. Maybe they smoked a bunch of weed. 
they drove around to and from various houses. He dropped some people off at work. Just a bunch. There was a bunch of stuff going on. The works, all kinds of things. At 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday, so this is the next day, the 10th of August, his mom called him asking where he was and asking if he had gotten the paperwork. He said later that she didn't sound very happy and that she actually got so frustrated that she hung up on him during the course of the phone call. Tuesday was another day out on the town, taking friends to and from work, bouncing around various houses, apparently babysitting people's children. I don't know who was doing that because there was also lots of weed smoking and just (sighs) generally killing time. Unemployed teenage shit, I guess. I guess it just sounds so... Don't people get tired of just doing nothing? (laughs) Probably not when you're smoking weed all the time. That's true. That's true. It really inspires that desire to do nothing, (laughs) you know? I guess so. (laughs) So on Tuesday night, which was really Wednesday morning, very, very, very early Wednesday morning, he finally went home to sleep in his own bed. Mm. He arrived at 2 a.m. and his mom was still awake. Do you want to guess what she asked him about? The papers. Yes. She Uh. asked him about the paperwork and he lied again, saying that he had an appointment to go and pick it up the very next day. (sighs) Now, this is a, he said, he said, we will not hear from the mother about her version of events. But he says his mom got angry and threatened him with a baseball bat. She told Mm. him he needed to get out of her house and that he was not welcome to come back. But then she sort of said, forget about it. I'm over you. And she went to bed instead of enforcing that. Yeah, sounds like maybe too little too late and that she was somebody who just couldn't set a rule and make him follow it. Like, for example, if your insurance goes up because your kid is committed 25 felonies and smokes pot all day, then you just say, he's not allowed to drive my car. He's off my policy. Yeah. And then you tell the kid, sorry, True. you take the key away. Mm-hmm. You say, if you're going to come hang out all night and and not come home, I'm just changing the locks. Find someplace else to live. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think tough love is required because if you just let people do whatever and there are no consequences, why would they change? Yeah. But I mean, we don't know anything about the dynamic of their family. It's nope. possible she was trying to correct for the tough love that he received from his dad his entire life that obviously hadn't done him much service to this point. I don't know. Well, it sounds like he was pretty much on a pretty good path until, well, yeah, what precipitated him running away from home and the sexual assault is what really seemed to crash his world. Mm -hmm. So next day, Wednesday, the 11th, Mm -hmm. he was up pretty early and went back over to a friend's house and his mom called him. She was upset. She was really upset, but she wasn't upset about the night before and the argument about the paperwork. She was upset because she had called the probation office herself Uh and she found out that he had been lying. And he had never been there. Correct. And she said 
that she just knew she knew he was never going to go get it. And so she had decided to take things into her own hands Mm -hmm. at five o'clock that night when he went home, this multi-day fight that he and his mom had been in really, really escalated. She said she was tired of his lying. She was tired of him sitting around and doing nothing and that she was upset that she had to take time off of work to go and get the paperwork herself. And this, in, and during all these days, the father is not there. He's out of town. Yes. Okay. During the argument, she apparently grabbed the bat again and she once again told him that he did not live there. He was not welcome and he needed to get out. He started to go upstairs to get some of his stuff, but she said, no, like out, out. You can't get your stuff. You can't have your things get out. And she followed him. Mm. She was telling him all kinds of things. Like he was a bad child. He was a problem. He needed to get out before she hit him with the bat. And apparently he was kind of like, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. Right. You're all talk. And she went and sort of like swung the bat at him, but it was a fake out kind of swing. Like she wasn't really going to follow all the way through and hit him with it. But when she sort of did that fake out swing, he grabbed the bat and pushed her up against the wall and held her there and told her she wasn't going to do anything and that she needed to drop the bat. And he wouldn't leave or listen to her or do anything until she dropped the bat. Mm. So after this, she sort of relented and she went downstairs. It was around 530 in the evening by this point. Mm -hmm. So that all happened in about the course of half an hour. Okay. So he, with only $22 to his name, decided he wanted to go on Craigslist and find a date to get his mind off of things. So he went on Craigslist. Are you making a weird face? Because people don't go on Craigslist to find dates anymore. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know they ever did that. I thought Craigslist was, I don't know, to sell your blender. They had a personals section, which I don't think they do anymore, actually. Passed me by. I missed the whole part of Craigslist. but Well, he found a young lady who was interested in a date on Craigslist <laughs> and he met up with her around 9 p.m. and they went to a hookah bar and they stayed out there all night until the hookah bar closed around two in the morning. Mm-hmm. So by Thursday. He managed this on $22. He did, apparently. And he was- did. Did he have a car? Yeah, he had a car and his dad's truck was there. So he must have been in his police vehicle, whatever business trip he was on. Or he flew there. Or flew or drove with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So he was driving around in some vehicle with 22 bucks in his pocket, having a hot time at the hookah bar. Burning a hole in his pocket. Rich, (laughs) rich, baby, rich, rich. So by Thursday morning around 2.45, he and his date were back to his mom's house and they went upstairs and had sex in one of his brother's rooms. Interesting. After they hooked up, he took her back to her car and he was home again by 3.30 or 4 in the morning. When he got home, his mom was awake because who wouldn't be with all of this freaking commotion going on <laughs> in and out and sex and banging in on the door in his brother's room, probably all kinds of nonsense. Mm. And their argument started back up and continued for about an hour. 
After an hour, she sort of calmed down. She told him to forget all about it, to go to his room, and that she didn't want to talk to him anymore. I can understand that. She came upstairs once to make sure he was in his room, and she brought the bat. (sighs) I'm just not, but we only know about the bat from the kid. Correct. So, yeah, we don't really know. I mean, did the husband? We don't really know. Did the father say, oh, yeah, that's the way she used to discipline the kids? He's definitely trying to put a vibe of he was scared for his life on this entire story. Yep, you're right. That his mother was violent and abusive and threatened him numerous times with a bat. Yes. So after she was apparently upstairs checking that he was in his room, she went back downstairs to lay down again. Didn't earlier in the evening she throw him out and tell him he could never come back and then he comes back? Correct. (laughs) Yes. And... But I mean, I guess unless she's going to go, I don't even know if Walmarts were open 24 hours back then, unless she's going to go to Walmart and get a new doorknob (laughs) that moment, I feel like it's kind of hard to enforce. You can shove chairs underneath the doors. I don't know. (sighs) Well, he was in his room stewing. stewing. He was really, really upset and he could not calm down. And after a little while, he got his car keys and got a spare key to his dad's truck. And he went to his dad's truck and opened it and reached behind the passenger seat to where he knew his dad kept his spare gun. Wow. His dad always told him that the gun was for protection. So we're trying again to drive that scared vibe home. Right. And that if he needed it, he could go get it at any time. Hmm. He went back in the house and he went right up to his mom. He believed she must have been sleeping because the TV was off and she wasn't moving. He put the gun up against her head and he pulled the trigger. Hmm. He pulled the trigger once, twice, three times, but nothing happened. No bullets. I'm guessing the safety was on. You would be guessing correct. I gather this kid didn't really know a lot about guns. I don't know. I mean, his dad told him to go and get a a gun of all things (laughs) for protection, but never taught him gun safety or how to use a gun. Yes, obviously. I think there's a lot of that probably going on, unfortunately. People have access to guns, but they don't know anything about them. It's true. That is very true. So he panicked and ran upstairs. He he was really scared that he might have woken his mom up with all of this clicking and like things pushed up against her head. And in his room, he tried to cock the gun back, but it wouldn't move. So after two attempts, he finally pulled the safety down and was able to get bullets into the chamber. He tried this twice and he removed the bullets and laid them on his bed. Okay. He then put his work gloves on and he went back downstairs. His mom was still not awake. So this time he stood 
about 15 or 20 feet from her and pointed the gun sort of down and across the room toward her without looking in that direction. And he pulled the trigger again. This time the gun fired and he hit his mom. Damn. After she was hit, she sort of tried to sit up, was moving around a little bit, struggled for breath. She was reaching around maybe trying to figure out what was going on. I'm sure she was shocked and surprised. And her son went over to her and held her hand, which she was reaching out around the room, feeling for things. And she grasped his hand really tightly. I'm waiting. They don't want to go on. So terrible. So he's sitting there holding her hand. In the other hand, he's got the gun still, and she has no idea what's going on. Correct. Did he say if she was speaking or just sort of flailing around? She wasn't speaking. She was sort of gasping for air. Mm. There were some gurgling sounds, Mm. but he didn't indicate that she tried to say anything. Okay. After a few moments, he took a pillow and with the other hand he was not using to hold her, he held it tight over her face for five minutes. And she was squeezing and unsqueezing his hand and flailing around and fighting to breathe for five minutes. Finally, she let go of his hand. And he sat there with her for 20 minutes, still holding her hand. After 20 minutes passed, he realized what he did and he started to cry. He said he first thought that he would go upstairs and take his own life. But instead, he opened the back door and looked out into his yard and came up with a plan. Mm-hmm. He went to the garage and got a storage tote and he put the pillow inside and then he placed his mom inside on top of the pillow and he pulled her out into the yard. Must have been a big storage tote. That's what I thought too. Well, she was a very small person. Let's see if she was small. Hold on. Give me a second. I mean, maybe, maybe just sort of, I don't know. Just I don't know either. Maybe just like maybe yeah, le- her legs were over out. part of it. Right, and her legs were hanging out, and her arms. I don't know. Let's see. She was. I'm sure you guys can hear my. I actually have papers for once. Listen to all my important papers. Ooh. I don't know if you guys can hear them. <laughs> oh, good. It just says height in. Height in. Mm-hmm. Well, nevertheless, so he puts her in or around a storage tote and drags her in the pillow out into the yard. He does. Okay. Okay. He stopped rustling these papers around. So the next part is in his own words. This is a quote. This whole section is a quote. And I laid her to rest under the tree. Nothing on her yet, but I prayed, grabbed her hands, and I prayed. The same prayer she used to say to me when my mom and dad always got into arguments, told me everything was going to be okay. So I did that prayer and I went in the house and I got a cold blanket and I just sat out there and I covered her with leaves. 
I put the blanket over her and then I covered her with the leaves and I grabbed her hand one last time, said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to do it. Yeah, just. And then he went back into the house. He took the mattress and he cut a small area out around where her head had been. And he put the mattress under the back porch. This kid just sounds to have like Herculean strength to me. He's just moving entire mattresses and dragging. I don't know. Well, he's probably his adrenaline is pumping. Yeah, it's probably true. really fired up. And he's, he's just running around like a whirling dervish doing stuff. Yeah. I guess at this point, yes, he realizes I have to cover up my crime. Yeah. After he put the mattress under the back porch, he went back in the house and he gathered all of her things. And I don't know if he slept. I don't know what he did, but he didn't do anything else until the next morning. Okay. The next morning he took the, remember how I said he like took two bullets out of the gun and laid them on his bed. Mm -hmm. He grabbed those bullets and he put them in the pocket of some shorts he was wearing. He took his dad's gun back to his truck and he put it behind the driver's side. That's important because remember his dad always kept it behind the passenger side. Okay, I'm going to pin that up on the wall. Double underline. Right. He put the gun behind the driver's side, and he also put the two bullets there. Not in the gun, just laying there. there. Just laying there, all just laying there out in the open. He kept the shell casing from the spent bullet with him, and he shut and locked his dad's truck. He then got into his mom's rental car with all of her things, and he drove to Delaware and back several times, but he did drive to Delaware and stay for a little while. When you say all of her things, what does that mean? Like he like her, her cell phone, her wallet. Not like he didn't clean out her closet or I don't her think underwear so. drawer. I don't think just, so. <laughs> okay. Just sort of so. her personal her purse. things. Yeah. That if she'd left for the day that she exactly. would take with her. Okay. Exactly. And he drives back and forth to Delaware. Yeah. And he did some other things. Like he tried to use her debit card unsuccessfully. Yeah. Probably because he's not a woman. I don't know why. Maybe I mean, he didn't know her pin. I'm not sure exactly in what capacity he tried to use it, but that's. So he was trying to lay some kind of false trail that she was driving wildly around to Delaware. It's possible. (laughs) Although maybe he just didn't. He said he was just absolutely fucking terrified. Like he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. And he knew he had done something. He said it was like the twilight zone. Like he almost couldn't even conceptualize what he had actually done. And he just sort of knew in the back of his mind that he had done something horrible and irreversible to the person who meant more to him than anything in the entire world. And that's all he could think about. Yeah, pretty horrible. Very. So on the 13th, the next day. Mm, Friday the 13th. Oh, that's a, yeah. 
Jeez. Because <laughs> that's the day his dad got home from the business trip. Okay, so his dad gets home. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to go into this now. No, but but I do have a question. So I'm trying to wrap my head around this. He killed her like kind of in the middle of the night. And then dragged her body outside, covered it with leaves. And that was the morning of Thursday? He killed her on the 12th, which was Thursday. Okay. So it must have been in the wee, wee hours of the night. So she, I'm assuming, was supposed to be at work the next day, Thursday the 12th. So she doesn't show up for work. Correct. So then Friday the 13th rolls around. She's been gone. She's not showing up for work. Yeah. For a day. She doesn't show up for work. The husband actually came home because his wife was missing and hadn't shown up to work. He knew something was wrong and he came home knowing something was wrong. So somebody called and said, hey, do you know where your wife is? Because she didn't come to work. Okay. Yeah. And his son actually was the one that called the police and told the police that he hadn't seen his mom, hadn't spoken to her. She wasn't answering the phone. And where did he say he was? I think by that time he was home. Oh, okay. So he was back home and he said he'd been trying to get in touch with his mom, but he did had no idea where she was other yes. than and possibly driving back and forth to Delaware. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth <laughs> and trying unsuccessfully to use her own debit card. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah. So the dad, you know, he cut his trip short. He came home into this awful situation. And like I said, I don't know if we, there's so much still to unpack. I don't know if I want to break into little bits and pieces of it. Cause we still have the dad coming home. We have how the kid was caught and why we have some interesting information from a bail bondsman who was involved in the apprehension of the kid to a certain extent. We have some autopsy report information. We have a description of the crime scene from the stipulation of facts. We have several character witness letters and we have the trial. Oh, and, 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 and this kid, this, I guess he's a man now. This man is on meetaninmate.com and writeaprisoner.com looking got, for love. He doesn't have access to Craigslist in prison. So he has to go on <laughs> meetaprisonerhotline.com, I guess. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Okay. Well, it sounds like the dad is there. The kid is claiming he can't get in touch with his mom. Everybody knows something is wrong. And that's where we're going to leave it till next week. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do a, do you, do we need to be uplifted? Oh, I don't know. It's just, it seems so impossible to, to have an uplifted moment. I don't, I mean, I don't have anything super uplifting, but we could do a review review from one of our amazing and fantastic listeners. Well, yeah, let's see how we're, let's see how we're touching others' lives with these (laughs) tales of woe. So let's see, I have a very 
lovely review here from Apple Podcasts. So guys, be sure to review wherever you listen. We love to hear your advice. We love to hear your feedback. This is from someone with the username Charmander J90. And I just feel like, isn't that a Pokemon? I'm just imagining a little dinosaur dragon fireman writing this. Yeah, I don't know. Charmander sounds familiar, but I don't know why. I'm pretty sure it's a Pokemon. You're asking the wrong Every person. Every other 90s baby is screaming their ass off at me right now. <laughs> like, this bitch doesn't even know Charmander. <laughs> Look it up later. I want to hear what Charmander has to say. All right. Charmander has to say. I love the idea of real people who have seen what terrible things do to friends, family, community, telling stories, lovely hosts with a great conversational feel. Thank you, little Charmander lizard dragon. Yes, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your encouraging words. We love to hear them. Yes, and... As we were saying last week, I think it was last week, that is the worst thing about crime is all the lives it destroys. Not just the person who was killed, but just such a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. That's true. So. Devastating ripple. Yes, a very devastating ripple. All right, mom. Well, do you have anything else to add? No, I don't. I'm looking forward to next week where... Justice is served. Even after my harassing of you, you are not going to add. What? You can go on our website. I'm supposed to add that? I don't even know that. (laughs) Go on our website, (laughs) murderyouknow.com. That's not the right website. Don't go there. Don't know what that is. That's what I'm saying. Don't ask me for that kind of stuff. I barely know my own website. You can go on our website, the murderer, you know, podcast.com, where you can join our mailing list and learn a little bit more about the show. You can reach out to us on social media. We're murderer, you know, podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us. We always love an email murderer, you know, at gmail.com and reach out, please. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Share your stories. A listener was telling me the other day that she was listening to the first episode of The Crime That Made Us, obsessed with true crime, that is. Mm-hmm. And you said something about like, yeah, and it could happen to anyone. And in that exact moment, she was running through the woods on a jog alone. Oh, God. And she just thought, panic, panic, <laughs> fuck, get to the car. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to ruin your day. Yeah, you ruined her jog. She'll okay. probably never exercise again. <laughs> All right. Well, ta-ta for now. See you next week. Okay. Lots to discuss. Can't wait. Bio bio. Bye.